0: After making the playoffs last year, the Seahawks have Super Bowl aspirations in 2023. Which players could be the real wild cards determining whether or not Seattle can make that kind of a playoff run this upcoming season? Nick Lee and I will be breaking it all down our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks Podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined for Blue Friday by my co-host Nick Lee. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen. Five days a week, we greatly appreciate it. As we get ready to head into the weekend, the Seahawks are thinking Super Bowl. Which players could be the X factors that could take them on that type of a playoff run? Nick and I will be discussing. Plus, we'll take a look at Uchenenuosu's 2022 season and what he has in store for an encore on forecast Friday. And of course, blue Friday, we got to have a game. So we'll have a game looking at some statistical oddities that may or may not happen for the Seahawks this upcoming season. A little bit of this or that coming up on today's show, which is brought to you by bird dogs, go to birddogscom locked in NFL, and they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs, Yeti style tumbler with every order. Now for your lead story here on our blue Friday edition of locked on Seahawks, The Seahawks surprised many last year by winning nine games and getting into the postseason as a wild card. And then they've been pretty aggressive this offseason in free agency. They're once again really excited about their draft class. And in the wide open NFC, they believe they have a chance to really push to compete for a Super Bowl this upcoming season. But Nick, you and I both know in order to get to the Super Bowl, there's got to be some luck involved, mostly with injuries as well. But you've also got to have some players that really step up their game. Now, up to this point, we've already talked about some wild cards. But I want to look at the players that are truly X factors that have the weight. They have the power to push the Seahawks deep into the playoffs or potentially ruin their chances of doing it. Those swing X factors, so to speak. And I think it's fitting we talk about this today because Athlon Sports came out with their predictions in their magazine and they've got the Seahawks making the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. So keeping that in mind, let's talk some wild cards here, shall we? Some X factors that could really push the envelope for the Seahawks to maybe make that kind of a Super Bowl run. And I'm going to give you the floor here, Nick. Let's start on the offensive side of the football. Who is a player that jumps out to you that you think has that kind of weight that could really help this team get over the top and make a run to a Super Bowl?
1: When you phrase it like that, you know, it's we're not saying this person is going to be the, you know, spearhead to the Super Bowl title. It's a person who um, really could, could make a difference. You know, one one single grain of rice could tip the scale kind of thing. Yep. And with Jackson Smith and Jigma, I, I think is that for this offense. Um, obviously, the, the Seahawks offense is full of established veterans that know what they're doing, know their role. Geno Smith, who I think... Now, I I I, I, want, I call him a point guard, and I hope that's not you know offensive or derogatory, but it, it's it's more of a compliment that he does a really good job distributing the football. And the two established veterans, and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett at receiver. You got no fan, tight end. You got Will Disley tight end, Colby Parkinson, and I think you know to take that offense to the next level. Of course, they got running backs in the, in the offensive line that's that's been much improved too. To take that next step and to become a true threat. Week in, week out, a third receiver must emerge. You know, much like, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling Marquez, uh, for the Chiefs last year, um, the Chiefs always seem to find, you know, third receivers out of the woodworks. This year, Jackson Smith and Jim, not just because he's a first-round pick and he kind of probably kind of has to have a really good year just to just, justify that draft selection, but he could be that ingredient that really, you know, changes the, the chemistry of this offense. In um, such dynamic ways, where you have already two Pro Bowl caliber receivers, and you add another one with Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba with the talent at running back, with the talent at tight end, with uh, an improved offensive line, um, you know two tackles coming off solid rookie years, and just going to build off that. You add him to that mix, and I think that makes that, that he'll be a bit more of a disruptor as far as the route running, and, and you have to plan for him, which takes plans away from DK Metcalf and Lockett and tight end. And so I think he just adds that extra element into the offense where he, he could provide, you know, that, that it doesn't have to go for a thousand, you know, 1200 yards, but I I really think that he could be a key cog in this offense, even if he's not getting the ball, just the fact that offenses are going to have to plan for all these weapons. The Seahawks have now.
0: Yeah. You don't want to put too much pressure on rookies. And I considered Smith and Jigba for my selection in this particular question, but I got to go with another rookie at a position that we have been looking for a long-term starter for more than a half a decade at the center position. Again, I don't want to put too much pressure on a rookie, but to me, the Super Bowl X factor for this offense that has so many weapons, I mean, they already had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They've got three really solid tight ends. And I think Smith and Jigma can be that kind of a difference maker, but there's only so many throws to go around with all those weapons. You still got to have a guy in the center of your offensive line that can do the communications, can call out the blitz pickups, has full command of your passing and running game. And Olu Olu Oluwatiimi comes into the league offering immense experience. He's played in an air raid offense. He played in a pro-style offense at Michigan. He played for the more award-winning offensive line last year and he was the orchestrator. He got to make all those line calls. There is going to be some pressure on him because of the 3,500 plus snaps he played in college. You're going to be expected to come in and play right away and the Seahawks, they seem keen on that idea. I think that having a center that comes in as a rookie and provides a solidifying presence is going to be a huge difference maker for this offense. Because I think center has been the weakest point on this offense for the last four or five years. And so if you can get a rookie that can come in and play right away, have command of the offense, can get after it as a run blocker, didn't give up a sack last season in pass pro, he's going to have some really tough opponents in this division, but... That to me could be the type of player that really could get this team over the hump with the young tackles they've got as well. So I'm going Olutimi. You're going Smith and Jigbo, We're going with rookies on defense. I have a feeling we're going to be going a little different recipe here, though, as far as who the X factor is for this team that might be able to get them to a Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, this past year I kind of had a bit of an epiphany, and, and it's kind of like a note, but it's like a, you know, looking at the Super Bowl. Um, just the two teams obviously Patrick Mahomes uh, Jalen Hurts two very very talented quarterbacks Patrick Mahomes on a different level but those two defensive lines were also on a different level yeah. so I'm going to go defensive line Draymond Jones and if he can have you know that he hasn't quite had a pro bowl kind of season yet but if he can make that jump from the five and a half six and a half sack range to start flirting with double digits and just being a little bit more disruptive and in in, you know in, in the backfield and adding that 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 element to the the pass rush the Seahawks have lacked consistently for several years. Um, If he can emerge and take that next step, I really think that that's going to, that's going to, well, he's only, you know, 26 years old. I mean, he's, he's going to be, he's just rounding into form. I think he's got plenty of room to improve. He clearly wants to be here. I I like everything I've read and seen heard from him and it's, he's going to be kind of a gal. He could be a galvanizing figure along the defensive line. Because I am just watching that Super Bowl. I was so jealous of both of their defensive lines and just, man, you know, I wish the Seahawks could get to that kind of level. And they're not. They're not at that level yet. But they did take some really good steps in that direction. And Draymond Jones can be another key to, to, to having that defense and especially the pass rush get to that next level.
0: I know that a lot of fans have soured on Jamal Adams, in large part because of the injuries that he's had. He's missed more than 20 regular season games the last two years. He's had two labrum surgeries, torn quad tendon last year that caused him to miss all but one game. And that's a really difficult injury to come back from. But I don't know that there is a player on this roster that could have a teeter-totter effect. More than what Jamal Adams could for this team, if he is able to come back, even remotely close to the player that we believe that he can be, I think last year that he was on, he was on the record there of potentially having his best season with the Seahawks because they finally had a situation where they were using him right, they were playing him near uh, the line of scrimmage more, they were using him as a linebacker of sorts in their nickel and dime packages it really felt like Clint Hurt had a good plan in place and then he gets injured in the season, which by the way, he was playing really well in that game before he got injured. And so I have to put Jamal Adams as my pick on this because I feel like if he can return to form that he can really be the difference maker. The Seahawks thought they were bringing in with that trade. And I'm just going to say this too. It'd be awesome to see both these guys really put it together because they're twins. I don't know if you've seen pictures of these guys side to side, but I feel like Draymond Jones, being the bigger guy, should be going, Are you sure calling him mini-me. Because he and Jamal Adams look like clones of one another. So you'd like to see these two guys in all seriousness. You'd like to see Jones with the money you just gave him. You'd like to see him have a big breakthrough season, his first year in Seattle. And then Jamal Adams with the investment you made of the draft picks, the money you're paying him. You just hope to see him out there able to stay healthy and playing with his hair on fire, running all over the field, getting after quarterbacks, doing what he does well with his unique skill set. And I think if he can do that, he is still the kind of player that can really turn this from being a good team to a great team that has an opportunity to push for a Super Bowl in the NFC. Coming up next, another player that might have this kind of weight that really had a big season last year was Echeno Nuosu. We're going to continue our forecast Friday series looking back at Nuosu's big 2022 season and what he might have in store for an encore entering the final year of his contract. We'll get to that here in a moment on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode of Locked On Seahawks is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Putting it simply, Bird Dogs make you look and feel good. You won't want to take them off. Bird Dog Stretch Khaki Shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog Shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. Unlike regular shorts, Bird Dogs aren't made of a stiff, restricting cotton, keeping you comfortable year-round. Take my word for it, whether I'm heading on the road to cover a tough Seahawks game or chilling in my house preparing for a podcast, I'm always sporting Bird Dog Shorts and joggers because they are extremely comfortable. Don't restrict movement while keeping the slim look. And the sweat-wicking fabric keeps me cool and dry all day long, no matter the elements. I can't recommend Bird Dogs enough. You'll want to wear them all day, every day. Go to birddogs.com slash NFL for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash NFL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by Nick Lee. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there. Whether you're listening across the country in Florida or in nearby Redmond, we greatly appreciate you making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Coming up on Monday for our everydayers, I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang. The two of us are going to dive into what looks to be a potentially enticing slot cornerback race. For the Seahawks. We'll be diving into that competition and much more. You won't want to miss it. Uchena Nuosu last season, Nick, had one of the best years for a free agent addition made by John Schneider in this front office in the past 12 years. It's on par with Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett, some of those really nice free agent signings the Seahawks made. Right before they won the Super Bowl, that window where they made two Super Bowls, they won several division titles. Nuosu was great in the passing game. He was one of their better run defenders last season. And he really brought an element of youth and explosiveness to this front line that they'd sorely been lacking. And now he's going into the final year of the two year contract he signed a year ago. So there's even more at stake for him at 26 years old. He's going to be playing for a monster contract either in Seattle or with another football team.
1: As he should expect to. Um, ninth, uh, per pro football focus, ninth in quarterback hits last year um, and, fit, and finished with a tie for the team lead with nine and a half sacks. And um, well, While he did taper off a little bit, he was, I think, on pace for um, sacks towards the teens based on his <laughs> His uh, his start, but um, still he was he was the Seahawks' best pass rusher. Um, Daryl Taylor kind of kind of tried to take that from him late, but um, he was he was easily the most consistent pass rusher at least early on. And I, I really liked what I saw from him. And again, um, like I kind of mentioned with Draymond Jones, dude's just twenty seven. or He's gonna be twenty seven this this next season. I mean, still very young, plenty in the tank, uh, plenty of room to get better. And it's just a matter of is the room a little too crowded for him to to reach some of these, some of the, you know, milestones we hope to see from every pass rusher on you know, the Seahawks roster. But he was third amongst Reg defenders with 27 run stops. And I think um, both his run grade, run stopping grade and pass rushing grade were both better than 72.0 for pro football focus. So a very, one of the more well-rounded uh the defenders so i it, on the seahawks roster and you know, i'm very very happy that he's still part of this team and i think that he really kind of bridged the gap until um you know, daryl taylor kind of rounded into form a little bit now that they're both kind of going hopefully 100 this year um and you add some some pieces around and like draymond jones like i mentioned um hopefully boy mafe has another good you know building off of a a bit of an up and down rookie year, but you'd like to think that he'd get a a little better too. But um, Chen it it
0: clearly right now is the alpha in the past Russian group. Yeah, there's no question that he is their number one pitcher. But as we were talking about with Mina Kimes on the show a few weeks ago, is he necessarily that ace Has he taken that step forward yet? I would think he's got to get a double digit double digit sack season before we can even have that discussion. And he didn't have more than five sacks in the season in his four years with the Chargers. So last year was a big step. But to become that true ace pitcher off the edge, he is going to need to take his game to another level. And I don't know necessarily that that is going to be easy to do from a statistical standpoint. That's. Even if he doesn't get double-digit sacks, he might just be creating enough havoc. It's opening things up for other guys in the defensive line. And by default, his presence is going to make things better for everybody else around him. But you typically see these elite edge rushers, that they find their way to get 10-plus sacks. And so that's really that next goal for him. And I think that there are certainly some areas to improve upon when you look back at last year. He only had two-and-a-half sacks. As you mentioned, his play tapered off. The last eight or nine games. I felt like he played fine against the run, but his pass rushing production really tapered off two and a half sacks in the last nine games, including their playoff loss to the 49ers. And he was 36th ranked among qualified edge defenders last year in pass rush win rate, according to Pro Football Focus, at just 10%. Now, 36th is not bad. It's middle of the pack, but that is far from elite numbers. And That tells you a little bit that early in the season that the efficiency for his sack numbers was probably a little bit higher than it was going to be for an entire season. It wasn't sustainable because there weren't enough wins as a pass rusher. So that, to me, is the big key. Can you get more consistency for him winning outright against tackles? If he gives himself more opportunities to get after quarterbacks, that's where the sacks and the pressures are going to come from. He also missed over 16% of his tackle attempts last year, and that was something I noticed down the stretch. It did seem like he was leaving more plays on the field in the second half of the season. Maybe it's because of the increased workload. First time, really, that he was the feature guy in the NFL. But either way, those are the areas that I feel like he's got to improve the most going into this next season to really take that next step and make himself that marquee free agent or In this case, maybe the Seahawks, they were willing to spend big bucks on who we view as a number one pass rusher. Those are the things that he's going to still have to clean up in 2023.
1: Yeah, just to use another baseball reference, I know some people will roll their eyes, but he kind (laughs) of reminded me a little bit of like that hitter that comes out in April May hits like 430, and like, whoa, who is this guy? And then, you know, the, the, the peripheral numbers are saying, like, he probably is getting a little lucky, you know, it'll even out, and then it eventually does and it could kind of taper off that kind of, that's kind of the season that Nuosu had where, you know, it's not a bad season. It's just a little uneven. And even if he kind of reaches the same numbers, but it's a bit more consistent, a bit more even. um, And like you mentioned, maybe a few more, you know, a few more ticks up on the efficiency side. That is a win. Um, I'm not asking, you know, of course, if you want him to be, if he wants to be paid, like, you know, a a premier pass rusher in this league, absolutely. The sack number has got to be there. And that's just, that's just how you do it. That's, Know, the home run hitters get paid to hit home runs. If you don't hit home runs, you're not going to get paid. And yeah. same thing here with pass rushers. You got to get sacks, even if it might not be fair all the time. You know, you might get double teamed. You might just miss a you know play a quarterback that's really good at getting rid of the ball. That kind of stuff. But it's got it's got to happen. So, um, if anything, ask for a more even year. Um, you know, get off to that nice start, but you know, not have it just be so inconsistent later on. He did grade out a little bit, uh, uh, pretty good in some of the pass rushing. Uh, games and some of the games later on in the year but that just the the, the tangible numbers were not quite there so um, yeah if the numbers stay somewhat similar but it's a bit more even I I can see that
0: a win especially with some of the added depth and I'll also say this as you mentioned some of those pass rushing grades late in the season didn't necessarily reflect the production but there are at least two sacks that are popping the top of my head right now that Daryl Taylor made that wouldn't have happened without a Chinonuosu and so That's what your elite guys do, though. They not only rack up a lot of sacks, but they also create a lot of sacks for their teammates because they're consistently disruptive. Can he take that to another level? And we were discussing, and we've been doing this in these forecast Fridays, looking at projections without injuries, a 17-game season. And I think the one thing that has to be raised here as far as concerns about him elevating his numbers is who the Seahawks have in the roster. As you mentioned, Daryl Taylor, Boy, Mafé, you just invested a second-round pick in Derek Hall. I'm hearing a lot of positive buzz out of the building about Tyree Smith, who they were really excited about last year, and then he got hurt during training camp. And Elton Robinson's eventually going to be back. So if they're going to be rotating five or six pass rushers in there, there might not be enough reps for Nuosu to get above that nine and a half sack threshold that he was at last year. Now, we've got him at 10 and a half sacks, a few more tackles at 73, 68 pressures, 15 tackles for loss. Really, the big thing is we expect an uptick in the pass rush win rate. And if he's playing fewer snaps, you would expect that his efficiency is going to go up because they're going to be able to keep him fresh. So, that is the one positive out of this, Nick. Is that you do create an opportunity when he is on the field that he's going to be fully rested. He can really get after people.
1: Yeah, if he can kind of develop into that ace in the hole as the as the premier pass rusher when you know he stays fresh, he doesn't have to be grinding out on every first and second down. Uh, and, and you know, and the run game is, is so much with those added pieces. Derek Hall, I'm really really excited about too. I, I still I still am, I'm still a Boye Mafe believer as well um and like you mentioned Tyreek Smith so lots of lots of options too so it, there could be a maybe a dip in snap count but that doesn't necessarily mean we can see a dip you know in, in production in fact those projections you know, would, would suggest otherwise yeah I think it's fair with the kind of season he had and it's not like the Seahawks went and signed you know Hassan Reddick or something so I think it's pretty fair to expect 10 sacks with with the production he had last year and the kind of you know leadership as far as in, in that kind of group go And, you know, he's, he's still, even though he's still pretty young, he's now one of the more veteran of those guys. And I think it's pretty fair to accept 10 sacks and 10 10 and a
0: half, you know, give or take, I think it's pretty fair. Yeah, I think the numbers are going to be about on par with last year, maybe a slight uptick. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean that he isn't going to play a lot better. It might not reflect in the stats if he's playing a smaller percentage of these snaps because of all the other players that you now have brought in. You've invested high picks in at that edge rushing position. You've got three second round picks there at Daryl Taylor. Boy, Mafé, and now Derek Hall. And again, they like Tyreek Smith. They like Al Robinson. They can get him back healthy. You could really have a really fun stable there of pass rushers, but that may limit the individual statistics to an extent. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined by Nick Lee, and a special thanks to all the 12s out there including if you're listening from Newfoundland, we greatly appreciate each and every one of our listeners making Lockdown Seahawks your first listen five days a week as we do each and every blue Friday, Nick, we got to have a game. We got to finish up the week with game day and we're going to bust out one of our old favorites, this or that. And we're heading towards training camp. And one of the things we love to do, we like to look at statistical oddities because there always seems to be a couple things that happen every year like, man, I never would have projected that to happen this season. So we try to think outside the box a little bit with some individual position group and team statistical oddities. And we're going to put them against each other, this or that. And we get to decide which one we think is most realistic to happen this upcoming season. So let's get to it. Our first one. And Nick, this is what we were having fun with before the show. Geno Smith finishes in the top three in MVP voting or Jamal Adams captures comeback player of the year. This or that, Nick, which one do you think is most realistic of those two? Oh,
1: man, I was agonizing over this one. I mean, Geno Smith being a quarterback, of course, there's always that puncher's chance that that he'll be in the MVP conversation because let's be real. It's pretty much turning into the best quarterback in the league every year. That's kind of what, what it's turning out to be um most years so him being you know considered a top three quarterback in the league is probably realistic um I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Jamal Adams I think Jamal Adams um and and just because just or not just because but mostly because I think the quarterbacks in this league there are so many really really good quarterbacks in this league and not that not that I don't think Geno Smith is in in, in in a in a you know above average and could play himself into a conversation maybe slightly below the Patrick Mahomes of the world. Um, but I, th- I think the the competition uh, level, it might be a little bit lighter for Jamal Adams to win that award um, than for Geno Smith to be considered a top three MVP candidate just with the pool of talent in the NFL um, is just immense. And I think just Jamal Adams will probably face a little bit less of a, of a fierce competition for that award. And of course, if he is fully healthy, he might win it by default based on his his talents and what he can do with that defense like we mentioned in the first segment like you did um, with the type of influence he can have. If he has a true 17-game Jamal Adams type season, they won't be able to ignore that.
0: Yeah, I have to go with Jamal Adams on this one too because I feel like with what he's endured the last three years with the two labrum tears, the fused fingers and now the torn quad tendon which is an extremely difficult injury to come back from I feel like if he's able to make it back healthy and stay on the field and play at a fairly high level maybe not what he did before these injuries but if he's able to be playing at a you know above average starter level given everything that he's gone through and the name recognition I mean we're talking about a guy that's been a multi-time all pro I feel like he can just walk up to the podium and go get his comeback player of the year. Seattle had never won one. They could have won two years in a row. I actually think that he's a front runner as long as he can avoid the injuries that put him in a position where he is the comeback player of the year winner. So I'm going with Adams. Not that I don't think Geno couldn't do that getting in the top three, but again, as you mentioned, there's so many good quarterbacks in the NFL. Next one here, this or that, three Seahawks finished with 800 receiving yards or – Three Seahawks finished with four or more interceptions in 2023.
1: Well, leading up to last year, the the interception totals were a bit light, especially with guys not named Quandre Diggs. (laughs) So um, that might be a tall task to have three with four plus. And I I think it's a tall task to have three go 800 plus receiving yards. This is a tough one. I'm going to go three receivers, get 800 plus. Pretty much with the point I mentioned earlier, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, is can be that much of a playmaker. Now you brought up a good point as well. Can the volume of passes be there for three receivers to get 800 plus? I think that's the biggest question because the talent is absolutely there. Let's let's bank those two with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And really the question is what are, whether or not Jackson Smith and Jigba gets there. And he's very talented. And if he stays healthy and, and gets a fair amount, a fair share of targets, I think he can get there. I think that's a bit more likely than, you know, and it's a bit more in the Seahawks control than, necessarily getting three uh, guys with four picks. Um, So
0: I'm going to go with the receiver side. Yeah, I feel like interceptions are a lot more difficult to project, and I'm going to pick it though, and here's why. Tariq Woolen had six last year. I don't know if he can get that many this season, but teams are not going to be able to take away half the field and say, you know, we're not going to throw at Tariq Woolen because guess who's now on the other side? Devin Witherspoon. And Teams aren't going to be able to do that with Witherspoon either, like they did at Illinois, like second half of the Big Ten schedule. You know what? We're just throwing to whatever side he's not on. Well, if you do that strategy now, Tariq Woolen is over there, who tied for the league lead in interceptions last year. Oh, by the way, you have Quandre Diggs coming off a fully normal offseason, not the injury like last year. He had four picks in the final seven games last year. He has been as good at picking off pass as anybody in the league the last five or six years. Those three players right there, I think as long as you can keep them healthy, all three of them are getting to four interceptions, in my opinion. Playing together, it's going to – and there's going to be a better pass rush, in my opinion. So, while I like that trio of receivers, I just think 800 yards for Smith and Jigma with the other two guys there. I just don't know that there's enough passes to go around for him to hit that. And I think teams will throw the ball against Seattle – And I think they're going to get a lot of interceptions. So I'm going to go with the picks on that one. Next here, this or that, Seattle tight ends combined for 12 or more touchdowns or Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, and Devin Bush combined for 340 total tackles.
1: Well, in a perfect world, um, Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks could almost get there by themselves. (laughs) You know, It's not going to happen with Jordan Brooks, obviously, with missing time with injury. But um, I'm going to go with the linebackers, with, with, with the trio of linebackers, 12 touchdowns for, for Seahawks tight ends. It's just, I feel like we kind of talk ourselves into this every single year with the tight ends getting, getting the love. And it just, it happens sometimes, but not quite to that volume. Um, so I'm going to go to the linebackers here.
0: I'm going to go the tight ends. I'm going to surprise people on this one. I could see the linebackers getting pretty close to this total of 340, but I'm hedging bets that there's not going to be quite as many snaps on defense this year, especially with the way that this offense is set up. And I'm also going to make this argument. Smith and Jigba coming in to go with Lockett and Metcalf. A lot of our listeners are going to say, well, that's just going to take away opportunities in the red zone for the tight ends. But think about what defenses are going to be trying to do inside the 20s. They're going to have to try to take away Smith and Jigba in the slot. And they got to deal with Metcalf and Lockett Oh, and now there's a 6-7 tight end in Colby Parkinson out here. Or there's Noah Fant, a guy that runs a 4-5. I just have a feeling they scored nine touchdowns as a group last year. I just have a feeling that there's going to be more opportunities in the red zone for Colby Parkinson and Noah Fant. And I think Will Disley will get his handful of touchdowns like he does every year. I, I actually have faith they can get to 12. They had nine last year, and it felt like they were kind of slow early in the season with the touchdowns. I think that they can do that collectively as a group, especially with those receivers taking so much pressure off of them. So I'm going to go tight ends, but I could see both of these happening, actually. Next one here, this or that. Seattle finishes in the top five in third down conversion rate, or Seattle finishes in the top five in quarterback sacks. Sorry that I had to laugh there, but I can't remember the last time Seattle's offense was anywhere close to the top five in third down conversion rate.
1: Oh, man. Uh this is – I'm going to go with uh, – let's do it. I'm calling my shot. Seahawks finish top five and third down conversion rate. Let's get nuts. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts because uh, it's – well, I think Geno Smith is a lot better. He's a better at, at Russell Wilson than a few things. One of them is getting rid of the football when, when you need to. And while the, the, the sack total can still be high – um, i think that there's the potential there especially with a solid run game especially with what we are just ran right through the, the weapons i think that the the offense will be open sooner and so i'm hopeful that um the, the this will kind of that one will lead to the other where the offense will not have so many sacks so thus you know they'll they'll convert more third downs so i am i'm optimistic that the i think the seahawks are going to have a top top 10 top seven offense in the NFL and I'm hoping that manifests itself with a more efficient offense on third down top five might
0: be a little steep but I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little hopeful there and, and choose that one I have to agree with you on this one and I can't believe I'm saying it because again it's been a long time and the Seahawks were not necessarily good on third downs last year either they had plenty of issues there but I think this is where the JSN factor really kicks in. I think Smith and Jigba, where he is going to help this team the most immediately, is on those third and four and third and five situations when they need a guy from the slot to be able to get open and make contested catches past the marker. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be able to do that and maybe create some after the catch when he gets the football in his hands. And so I think this is the area he helps them out the most. I don't know if it means they're a top five third down conversion offense. That's a big leap, but he's the kind of talent that has the skill set that really could catapult this team up the rankings in that category alone, just with his presence and with the tight ends that they have as well. I feel like that is an area they could make a big leap. And I could see the Seahawks being the top 10 in sacks too, but. Teams are still going to try to run the football on them. And that's really the big thing here. If they're not able to button up that run defense, there might not be as many opportunities for them to get sacks in general anyway. All right. Next one here, Nick. This or that. Seahawk rookies finish top three in rookie of the year voting on offense and defense for a second straight year, or two Seahawks receive first team all-pro honors. I'm going to go with the first team all-pro. Um not that
1: I don't think the Seahawks are going to have a, a really solid rookie class, because I think they will. I I think this, the the really solid rookie class they had last year might merit an All-Pro or two, um, and of course we have some former All Pros who are hopefully rounding back into form, like Jamal Adams, like we mentioned. Um, I think that there's a potential. Now I'm not saying the Seahawks are going to have you know three, four first-team All Pros, but you could talk yourself into the Seahawks, you certain, you know, three, four, five guys that could be all first team all pros. You could also talk yourself into the Seahawks having, you know, offensive and defensive rookie of the year candidates as well. But um, I'm going to go all pro here just for just, I think the opportunity is there for more guys to get there. Um, but that doesn't mean I, I truly think the Seahawks are going to have several players in contention on both sides of the ball for rookie of the year.
0: If offensive linemen could ever win this award, and by the way, they can't, they never are even in discussion, which disgusts me. But if Olu Oluatini could actually be a legitimate candidate for this, I would maybe consider the other option. But even though two first team All Pros has not happened for the Seahawks since way back in 2014 in the height of the Legion of Boom years, uh, I feel like it's more likely there. In fact, I'm going to make a prediction right now. I think Ken Walker third and Quandre Diggs are first-team All-Pro selections at the end of this year. I'm calling it right now. So I think two first-team All-Pros, that's the one that I'm going to go with on this one. I like their chances, even though it's not something that's easy to do. Quandre Diggs can tell you that. He's had some really good years, and he hasn't even been a second team. I think he breaks through in a big way this year, though, with those two stud cornerbacks making life easier for him, a little bit of pass rush. I think Quandre is going to eat back there at free safety, and I think Ken Walker III is going to have a lot of fun running the football and catching the football out of the backfield for the Seahawks. we got to have one more here, a bonus one real quick. This or that, Nick, Pete Carroll wins 50% of coach challenges or Seattle finishes in the bottom half of the NFL in offsides penalties. This is a classic one here, Nick.
1: Oh, man, this is going to give me a headache. Uh, So this is kind of like the – What's what is how do you do the, the the very stoppable force meets the very movable objects? <laughs> this is oh man. Um, let's go with the offsides one. I'm gonna go with 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 that because Pete Carroll and he's admitted he's admitted that he he doesn't really care about that kind of stuff. Um, sometimes he just does it just just to do it. So um, I, I, the the offsides thing might be a bit more fixable and more you know in. in That maybe they care about it more, um, that they want to get that number down. So let's let's go with with that one because Pete Carroll winning fifty percent, man, that's 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 like Shaq with free throws, man. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's tough.
0: No, I'm going to go the other direction because there's no way in hell that I am ever going to say the Seahawks are going to finish in the bottom half of the league in offsides penalties. You can call it the curse of Michael Bennett, whatever you want. And I think sometimes it's a positive because they really are trying to get off the football quickly, but they are going to be in the top 10. It's inevitable. They will be in the top 10 in that one. Coach Carroll at least has had one or two seasons where he has gotten more than 50% right. And so I'm going to take my chances that it is going to happen again this year, that the dart thrower with the blindfold on, maybe he gets the challenge flag and then puts it around his eyes or whatever, but I'm going to take the bold risk here that he is going to strike gold more than 50% of the time. And, uh, Uh, The chance of either one of these happening is very low, but that's the one that I think has the better chance of happening. (laughs) As as always, you can follow me on Twitter at NFL. You can follow Nick at NickLee51. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. And coming up on Monday, I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang. The two of us will dive into a potential slot quarterback competition looming and continue our 90-man countdown. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy your weekend, and thanks for listening. Go
1: Hawks.